We are live. Welcome to the Carl Vibe Show. Today we're having a very interesting guest uh, and talking about a very fascinating discussion and topic here. And I'm joining uh, with uh, Lisa, uh, Dr. Lisa. How do you say your last name, Lisa? Oh, it's Galarno. Yeah, Galarno. it's Galarno, I thought so. you know, it's French-Canadian, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah I really didn't want to butcher it right off the bat because I'm really excited about this conversation. We're going to be talking about, uh, on the on the front of it, we're talking about making contact or receiving contact from extraterrestrials or aliens or other dimensional beings. We're talking about uh, the psychic phenomenon, telepathy, remote viewing, uh, all the different types of ways in which contact with extraterrestrials can be made or has been made historically and even in modern times and maybe even discussing the use of uh, psychedelics and other things like that in order to uh, enhance that experience. But uh, Lisa, before we get going too far into this, I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself uh, and tell everybody a little bit about what you do now and also a little bit of background about uh, why this topic is so fascinating to you and how you're engaged in it actively as we speak. Yeah, thanks, Carl. Thank you so much for having me. Um, well, I'm a contact experiencer since childhood. A lot of people are. <laughs> Some people don't realize what's happening to them, you know, strange things that happen to us when we're kids. Um, but I also grew up in a very strange uh, family. <laughs> Um, and some of that strangest strangeness wasn't good. Um, there, a lot of them are from the South, uh, we're mixed race, part native. We've got, you know, decades, centuries of generational trauma going on in our family. Mm. Um, you know, my grandmother used to tell me about, you know, the trail of tears and all of this kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, you know, women weren't treated very well in the family. There was a lot of violence, you know, things like this. So my mother, um, was only 20 when she had me. This was in Northern California in Sacramento. I was born in 1969. So the same summer we went to the moon and the summer the internet was born and Woodstock happened. Yeah. Um, But my mother was pretty screwed up. And um, later she got into heavily into drugs and alcohol. You know, this is a very typical story. I had a couple different stepfathers. The second one was pretty good. I got him when we when I was about four. Um, but I remember my contact experiences uh, starting when I was in the period sort of six, seven. And um, it was things like I'm, you know, in the bedroom at night and I'm seeing, you know, these strange patterns of light, right? And I don't really know what they are. I just, you know, stuff that's sort of amusing. And of course, I'm watching science fiction on TV and I'm, you know, reading fantasy books and I'm just this kind of kid, right? I'm sort of fae in yeah. that way. Um, and um, so, but one night I'm in the bedroom with my mother who, and we're asleep and I wake up in the middle of the night very suddenly and there are two glow in the dark beings standing at the end of the bed, people. Hmm. And, you know, they didn't say anything. They're just looking at me and they look friendly enough, but they're not talking. And... I, my first thought is, why can I see these people like the room is light, even though the room is dark, right? Because right. uh, there was no light source, right? They were glowing from within. And um, 
So, and then my next thought after, you know, a few seconds of this is why are they standing there looking at me and why aren't they saying anything? I'm a little indignant, right? So I look at them for a minute and then I poke my mother and I'm trying to tell my mother, you know, there are people standing at the end of the bed and they're staring at me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my mother doesn't even look. She just sort of, you know, says, oh, they're your guardian angels go to sleep and right. kind of thing. Right. And um, so I just went to sleep or something and um, I didn't um, really think about it and anymore after that. Uh, but then there were some other things, perceptual things. I don't know. Have you seen the show, The Queen's Gambit? It's about this young girl who's an awesome chess player. Well, she's a contact experiencer. And what they're doing is they're giving her patterns um, of chess pieces on the ceiling while she's on drugs. And um, as at an orphanage, actually, where they put them on drugs in the 60s. Um, And they're showing her different moves that she can make. And they're teaching her to play chess. Now, she's learning to play chess in real life as well. But she's also getting this, you know, divine inspiration. Uh, sort of thing. She has no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah, most people just chalk this up like your mom. Like it's either a spiritual encounter, and they just say, mm-hmm. "Oh, it's your guardian angels," or they put it in a box like a paranormal encounter, and they don't really thread it together into the bigger picture of maybe what's going on and how that happens. But did you have? Did you seem to put it in a box, or was it just your mom that said, "Like, uh, well, those are just your guardian angels"? But you seem like you were more curious and. Uh, You know, I was at an age, I still believed in Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy, right? right? So honestly, it wasn't that weird to me. You know, I was looking for pots of gold when I saw rainbows. Um, So I had all, which I still did, by the way, as an adult in Ireland at one point, there was a, a rainbow, it literally ended in a field. Right. That it was not far from me. I could see the end of the flipping rainbow and I yeah. got my ex-husband in the car and we had to go drive over there so I could find the end of the rainbow. Well, that's not, it, it sounds funny, but at the same time, historically like encounters with the faith folk or these different types of extra dimensional beings were just sort of uh, overlaid with the culture. And so you'd get something like fairies or a leprechaun or some kind or a troll, different types of names for the phenomenon. But usually it is a mystical experience that would the knockers in the in the coal mines and copper mines. Yeah, you know, at the British Isles. Yeah, totally. in Ireland. yeah. And involved, you know, also involving rainbows and things like fractaling out your field of vision and seeing perspectives of reality where you see I had a double rainbow also show up on the day my child was born before like when I was just going into labor I look out the window of the birthing suite and there's this ginormous you know double rainbow um kind of thing which I still don't know if it was actually there or not there if I just thought it was there right (laughs) right yeah and you get into um, altered states of consciousness or perception like that and you see all kinds of things so maybe there is a pot of gold there at the end of the rainbow but it's not not what we think yeah yeah so anyway I was just an open-minded person right this was really all and you know unlike a lot of people who are really heavy duty rejecting spiritual and religious traditions because of atheism, which, 
you know, is understandable. I mean, there are a lot of very oppressive religions on our planet and it's awful and it right. needs to stop. Right. Um, but there are, you know, some spiritual traditions that are very helpful to people. There are wonderful spiritual and religious people all over the world. You know, some of the best people on our planet are the most, you know, pious Catholics, right. Yeah. Out there, say in Latin America or something. I mean, those people are amazing. Um, misguided <laughs> yeah uh you know the catholic church is a horrible institution as in, in general but that's true of a lot of our religions um but no so you know i was interested i was sent to christian schools and a catholic school at one point um and um you know, that was okay with me too. You know, they were teaching Bible history to me like it was actual history. And, you know, there were some very weird stories in the Bible. Did I think they were true? Not really. Did I think they were false? I didn't know. So I live in this kind of strangely ambiguous state of belief about a lot of things. And I actually yeah. think it's healthy. You know, it's like everything is true and everything is not true simultaneously, right? I think that's the only way you can approach a body of evidence as vast as the one related to who are we, where did we come from? You know, what's our place in the cosmos, right? Yeah. What's our actual history? Um, what's really going on? you know, what right. is all of this fantastical and magical stuff that happens to people, some of which is very scary, right? Some people have had some very scary experiences. Right. Uh, and most of that stuff is not happening in person and they can't actually be harmed and they not, aren't actually harmed. Um, but it, it messes with people, right? And right. this is why for me personally, ET disclosure is so important. People need to know what's happening to them. And I that agree. includes people with schizophrenia. It yes. includes people who think they've been abducted. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. They probably weren't. But but, you know, they still need to know what happened to them. I'm so, so glad you brought that up. I don't mean to interject there. I used to be a mental health worker. I have a degree in social work, actually. And my interactions oh. with uh, schizophrenic clients and patients and those cases, it was always fascinating to me that uh, I would read them and listen to them and be like, I, I wonder if there is a dimension of reality going on here that they're perceiving. And although it is... Uh, interacting with them sometimes in a, in a detrimental way, it feels like the commonalities between the what there is being considered as a hallucination or beings that aren't there, they're just fantasizing these things or it's a mental illness. There's these threads that go through it, these common commonalities between the phenomenon, even in schizophrenic patients, that makes you wonder, almost like in sleep paralysis cases, you have the same entities and beings sort of showing up, like the old hag, the man in the hat, and the shadow figure in almost every sleep paralysis situation. So you, regardless whether it's occurring in Africa or Hawaii or in Texas, you know, it doesn't seem to matter. There's like a a common thread that ties through it. And it's the same, even with the uh, religious encounters, you have these stories like biblical events where uh, like Ezekiel's carried up on a, on a wheel of fire, a chariot of fire wheels mm -hmm. within wheels. And, but then when you really dig into the story, you realize that these this sounds like a, a, an abductee case or an or UFO type encounter or an mm -hmm. extra dimensional being encounter. And when you kind of drop the labels or drop the category that it's supposed to fall under, like from schizophrenia to religious vision, and you say, let's just look at both of them with an open mind. Suddenly those... Uh, They're qualitatively similar in a the, bizarre yeah, the, way. 
right. and you realize that the problem is the prejudice in approaching it and and trying to throw it into one category or one box. And is it a pathology or is it something yes. that's beneficial? Because a lot of people get all yes. that shut down because it's deemed pathological in some way. Or in the case of a lot of women, right, who have had some fringe, high strangeness things happen. I mean, they're actually hysterical, histrionic, and, you know, psychotic. And mm -hmm. a lot of women over many, many, many years have gotten locked up for stuff like that. Right. Right. So, but then, but then you go to Tibet and, and you men have, too. I mean, not yeah, just women. Yeah. yeah, you go, you go over to Tibet and you have the Dalai Lama basically talking to the Oracle there to receive information and contact like through channeling and, and the, and the Oracle is behaving exactly the same way as these women who are supposedly making contact and going crazy and getting locked up for the same sort of interaction. Yeah. So yeah, it just no, depends and on the context. shaman and, you know, medicine people and, you know, indigenous traditions. Yeah, this is very common. I mean, the shaman, uh, yes. women, in some cases, medicine people, they're the most important person in your tribe, right? Because right. they're your conduit to, you know, star people. Um, you know, they're often called um, in, in, in indigenous cultures. But yeah, this is what really got me is I had some weird things happen. My grandfather had an NDE and I was at his bedside and he was talking to people who weren't there. Right. Um, and he was very excited about it. I will tell you, uh, he was in his eight, mid eighties when he died. This is the one from Arkansas. So he didn't, he wasn't really the type to get like woo woo or excited about things like this. Um, but he was talking to old friends of his, right. That he was now encountering. And so I was there for quite a while while this was going on, while he's talking to these people. Um, but yeah, I got really intrigued with a lot of this um, because um, I did spend some time in the military, not very long. I was in for less than a year and a half. Um, I got out, because of a knee injury, but I was a linguist in the military. Mm. And that was my escape from my crazy family um, solution. Um, but I got offered a discharge and they ended up giving me vocational rehabilitation and sent me to college, <laughs> which was very nice of them. <laughs> um, so this is back in like the early nineties. Um, so I ended up at UC Berkeley where um, I started out with a degree in linguistics, uh, which included Slavic languages and literatures and all of this other stuff I was doing, you know, I'd been um, in the military during the cold war. I was very interested in us avoiding nuclear war, <laughs> right. um, but the Soviet union um, sort of fell apart uh, right when I was in the middle of this. And I decided to abandon my plan to, you know, become some sort of consultant in that arena. And that instead what I would do is get a degree in anthropology. So I had already taken a bunch of anthropology classes because I found them interesting. So I got a lot of like um, philosophy of religion and spirituality and uh, a lot of things that let me see the world from that higher level vantage point where yeah. I could start to see, okay, these things are all connected when they shouldn't be connected. <laughs> right? right. Why do we have very similar um engineering specifications for pyramids all over the world right and things like this now there's a lot that we don't know right and humanity in our current form you know we go back about 140,000 years but 
Um, some very strange things happen. And when you study anthropology, you're, you're learning about the fossil record and you're learning about, you know, other species that lived on Earth and other species of humans that lived on Earth. And what were they like? And some of them were very tall and some of them had, you know, very large brains. And, um, you know, there's this process of both evolution, but also possible experimentation, right? It right. starts to look like. And then we have this massive disruption, around 140,000 years ago, where Cro-Magnon man, they used to call it, appears, which is uh, us, Homo right. sapiens sapiens, anatomically modern humans. So do you know what that means? It means that we're, in fact, the aliens. Right. Because we were genetically engineered, um, but in a way that was meant to advance us beyond the previous experiments in engineering that had happened, because we've had multiple ET factions working on the earth problems for a, a long time. You know, we're a I, colony. I agree. Case for Infinity yeah. says some of these visiting craft are alternate humans. And and maybe like you're saying, we are actually alternate humans and involved in this phenomenon as well. Like you said, the pyramid structures, whether you go down to South America or Egypt or China is loaded full of pyramids. A lot of them, they're even hiding uh, and trying to, uh, whitewash out of the Google Earth images and things like that. They don't even want people to know that they're there. But also even the the little tribes and bands, they left petroglyphs and rock art everywhere. That and Oh, yeah. That, and what happened to the Inca? And yeah, there's yeah. so many things like this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and these, these cultures were not even about sending, you know, satellites and probes and things into space and radio signals. They're, you know, tribal people with shaman the person with schizophrenia became the shaman in the in the village a lot of times or the mm -hmm. person with altered states of perception and, and not all reality. schizophrenia is bad schizophrenia i mean people right. have elaborate grandiosity fantasies and they're wonderful and people enjoy them you know right. so what, what do you think just really quick side tangent what do you think about science's approach to try and make contact sending satellites or signals, radio signals into space. Is that a waste of time or is it, does it beneficial? Well, what our you ET friends would say at this point, I mean, sure, it's fine that we do that and whatever we have radio telescopes and, but why isn't SETI paying attention to the crop circle phenomenon, mm. right? You don't need to go out into space or build more telescopes to figure out what's happening contact wise because it's happening right. all around us right now and it has been right. for a long time but right now it's accelerated because they're come they're they're coming out of the closet now when i say they because case for infinity said advance but enslave us and it's true right mm -hmm. there was definitely a plan to enslave us uh and we are technically enslaved and a lot we're all being held hostage in some ways right because we're tied to a body that we're required to provide work in order to sustain a body that otherwise gets very sad and upset um if we don't do that and that means we have to do a lot of things in life a lot of people you know in order to achieve that so yeah enslaved um but you know, the whole thing with the Galactic Federation of Light and the Earth Alliance and all of these different ET groups, you know, the Pleiadians, Syrians, Arcturians, Taucetians, etc. That's a humanitarian mission as far right. as any of us know. 
Um, and what they've done is they've just gone higher up in the food chain, the command structure, I guess you could call it, uh, for how realities are managed, you know, which are multidimensional and all of this, uh, and gone higher and higher and higher, you know, to finally get the resources they need to finally do the work to actually make the shift happen. It's sort of like their Syria, right? And, you know, 10 years now they've been, you know, massacring people in Syria who don't deserve it, right? For right. no other reason than they want to land grab and have, you know, more access to resources and more access to strategic um, areas that they can use to inflict more war and violence on people. Um, Earth is very much like Syria, right? Mm. And there are a lot of people also who have cycled off Earth, right, through reincarnation, um, you know, some of whom lived here in the 19th century, right? So who go way, 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 way back, and they are still working on the earth project because right. they're abolitionists. Um, and, you know, they also want to save, you know, the biosphere and um, not all of the life on the biosphere, because a lot of the carnivorous and predatory life probably need to go. Um, and a lot of the insect life probably needs to go, um, mm. you know, over the long term, how, you know, when they are able to start sterilizing, you know, large populations of animals that just, you know, aren't good for anyone really. Is that terrible to say? I don't know. I love animals. I love animals. But, you know, even a lot of the primate species like the chimps, you know, there are warring chimps out there. Right. And right. You know, those those male hormones in, you know, beings who don't have culture and who don't have, you know, explicitly defined morals, <laughs> you know, right. means that. So it's it's know, about the, the evolution of, of consciousness and and civilization on planet earth as a whole and as as all the species the collective consciousness on earth maybe we should back up just a little bit lisa yeah we're on a tangent now we're on a big tangent maybe we should get back so you when you were a child how this this uh, communication and contact start started to occur for you because we have like we said science sending probes out to space and radio signals and looking for craft flying around in the sky but then you also have people like Lou Elizondo and Hal Putoff and the and the researchers at the Stanford Institute, and they're all doing uh, consciousness work. They're doing remote viewing. Yeah. They're doing telepathy. They're doing psychic connection things. I've heard that even Lou Elizondo was uh, trained in remote viewing by Hal Putoff while he was at the To the Stars Academy with mm. all those guys, all part of this modern disclosure movement. While they're looking for scientific evidence and FLIR image footage of these UAPs and UFOs flying in the sky around our battleships and naval crew, they also are trying to get us to see that these things may exist not just from outer space, but in the spaces in between. And oh, that they're yeah. all you know, and Bob Bigelow, he also, he was involved with Skinwalker Ranch and he talks about these things being right under our noses. So yeah. maybe, maybe your personal story of how you became uh, in contact uh, with these entities occurs right under our noses and how that kind of unfolded for you uh, growing well, up. They and what they up on people. <laughs> I mean, they do. Now, um, some people have had mixed bag experiences, right? So, you know, the thing about certain people who light up in a certain way energetically is, you know, they um, become a magnet 
And in some cases, they're a magnet for certain kinds of attention. Um, And some of it is positive, right? Because there is a legit guardian angel contingent who, you know, look after people and sometimes look after people throughout their lives or are looking after family members multi-generationally, like families who are dealing with trauma. Um, and sometimes there are other phenomena that happen too, you know, that the, the paranormal phenomena, which is what you were alluding to with all of the people who are very interested in consciousness science and those areas of research, um, because that's, you know, a very interesting frontier. Um, and we don't have enough people connecting all of those dots. Um, you know, some mm. people call all of this the contact modalities. So, mm. you know, it includes everything from, you know, normal dreams and, and dream time work. Um, you know, how do those union archetypes occur over all kinds of people's dreams? Well, a lot of yes. people are getting the same dreams, right? Those dreams are created and inserted. <laughs> Too. Right. And yeah, I'm so glad that you brought up dreams. I have, yeah, I have so many of my show notes today about dreams and the phenomenon of dreams because people wake up in the morning and they just dismiss it, and nobody even questions the fact that you know, as a human collective, we all every day get to a certain point where we get exhausted just existing in physical reality, and we have entire rooms in our house devoted to going and laying down and slipping into altered states of consciousness and then going into these dream worlds and dreamscapes. And we don't consider that reality or part of real reality. We consider that a figment. But really, the dreaming never really stops. You wake up in the morning and the dream and the dreamscape and that whole environment just goes into the subconscious and we call it daydreaming or, or our subliminal consciousness and and subconscious that's going on. So I'm really glad that you brought up dreaming and how that interplays. Yeah. Dreaming is key. Um, And, you know, some people get dream time work, you know, I'm on a, I'm on a Buddhist path and I will tell you Mm. the Buddhist path is a difficult path. And when you sign up with beings and say, okay, I'm going to let you now be my teachers. Um, and what we're going to do is the Buddhist thing, which includes, you know, transcending hate and includes transcending fear. It includes, you know, learning epic emotional regulation. It, you know, involves um, holding on to hope, even when you're feeling hopeless. Um, mm. So uh, my team have done a lot of things with me that have been very challenging. Right. Mm. Um you know, but they also explain it to me. <laughs> so did they start this the contact? So they, they appear to you as a child in, in light form, as light, light beings. Yeah, right, it wasn't okay. scary. No. So how, how did that unfold? How did that contact continue? Well, it, so the room? next big thing that happened was when I was 15, I had um, what seemed like an out-of-body experience, which was more mm. like a daytime lucid dream. Um right where I kind of whooshed out of my body and then I'm on an alien planet and I'm seeing alien buildings and there are alien things. And this is nothing I've ever seen before. I've seen some weird things in my dreams, um, but I didn't know what any of this stuff was. And then um, I'm taken somewhere else and there's a group of beings there and they're telling me, Oh, Lisa, it's good to see you. We've been worried about you. We just uh, want to make sure you're okay. 
And that was what I was told. So back in my body now, right around this time, my mother was being reported to CPS and I actually ended up in a teen shelter at one point and there were sexual assaults and there was a bunch of shit going down. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when they're monitoring you throughout your life, whether they're doing it all the time or not, you know, obviously they know about things that happen. But um, some of us also have what you would call walk-ins, right, or beings who have basically existed with us for maybe our whole lives. And that's how I'm set up. And, um, you know, my grandfather only went to school through the second grade and nobody in my family has a higher education. Um, but I had off the charts test scores. Um, I did very well in school. Uh, you know, I went all the way through, I got a PhD. Um, and, uh, I was getting help the whole time. It wasn't just me. Right. They were, yeah. you know, we were reading things together. They were remembering things. They were helping me synthesize things. They were helping me write papers. They were helping me with my spelling. And I wasn't cognizant, though. You know, y- y- the thing about people in their minds is that everybody thinks their mind is the same as everyone else's. You know, do you watch Sherlock? You know how Sherlock has his mind palace? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, do, I use that a lot. I, I mm-hmm. use, I create, uh, when I meditate, I use a visual space that I sort of have designed and I put my meditative intentions into visualization forms. Like if I want to change my feelings, I have a box that I go to in my imagination or in my meditation, like a real place. Oh, that's very op- advanced. Yeah, yeah I, I open the box and I put my problems in it and it has this cosmic ability in order to transform my problems. And then when I open the box, uh, all of the problems are gone and what was hiding underneath or the lessons learned or the positivity out of that just comes out of the box and into me. And I, and I understand that. And and among other things, I also have a, a waiting room that I've designed in order to encounter other entities or other beings. And that I, I will go into this waiting room and, and things will emerge from the shadow and communicate with me. Uh, I, I like to have that controlled space, not necessarily just, running in the background all day with me. I like to go there and visit them. But uh, oh, you- <laughs> Yeah, I didn't mind, um, you know, and they did sneak up on me. But let me tell you the rest of the story. So then <laughs> yeah. in 1986, um, towards the end of 1986, I was an exchange student in Chile. So things improved somewhat with my family and I got offered a scholarship to go be an exchange student. I was very into languages, which was good because then I got away from my family. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I spent almost a year in Chile and I um, woke up in the middle of the night. I'm um in a room and a girl is sleeping in another bed in the same room. And um, I'm sort of feeling this urge to go to the window. So I go to the window and um, there's this big orange orb right there. Now it's not huge, right? Mm. Um, But it was enough to get my attention. And um, you know, I'm looking and I can't see any other stars because there are clouds in the sky, but I can see this thing. And then, I'm looking at it and then it disappears and reappears in another spot. So like, this was my first like UAP sighting and it was intense. Um, we went, the, the other girl woke up. She's, she looks out the window cause she sees me. I'm sitting the, in the window. What's that? It's a UFO. And we so went she and woke saw, everybody she up. She saw what you were seeing as well. So that, yeah, this is actually a very common pattern. Something right. like when they did the free study of experiencers, um, they did, it was like 4,200. And the people who had UAP sightings, like 63% of them had a witness 
to their yeah. UAP sighting. So yeah, and a lot of them start with that same way where they're dreaming. They're they have some sort of a strange an urge. Uh, an urge or anomalous effect in the dream that they come out of sort of a visionary state and they're either out of body floating up near the ceiling or through the wall, or they literally get up and the roommate or somebody else in there also witnesses it. And they see uh, something physical outside because they feel drawn to go out and look up in the sky mm -hmm. or to the window. It's so, yeah, very this close is... encounters of the third kind. If you think about it, you know, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. Dr they're drawn to something. And like, you know, the guy is drawn to Dumble mountain or whatever it was called. And right he he doesn't know he has no idea what's going on right so this is kind of what it was like but um okay. you know i was also living a normal life and i got into the tech industry in the early 90s i was a consultant and um i built networks and then i got into more creative stuff and i you know i was very like into my career and my work and i did a lot of traveling and i still read a lot of books and i tried out different you know religious and spiritual traditions just to kind of see what what was up with them you know and then i you know i never got too attached to any one thing though i was just sort of collecting data i guess um and then in about 2008 um is when i started having more profound visual contact mm. um not in person but um in meditation so okay. you know but i was also working very explicitly on explicitly on opening my third eye. I was watching a lot of spiritual documentaries. Um, I started listening to all of the Galactic Federation of Light channeled material. Like I listened to that stuff for a long time and then I got tired of it. Um, yeah. But it is very helpful, you know, if you're on a spiritual path. And at that point, I didn't know if that stuff was true or not, but I thought the spiritual content was helpful. Um, and, you know, it gave me something to sort of focus on as a, you know, a potential hope for all of us, you know, a lot of whom, you know, feel very hopeless about the state of humanity and the planet, you know, maybe, right. maybe there's something more going on. Yeah. Um, so I was just very curious. And then in 2013, I had an encounter with missing time at Burning Man, um, which hmm. didn't last very long. But um, that was about the time um, my twin flame guide sort of revealed themselves to me because um, mm. I didn't know that there was a twin flame thing going on too. Right. Um, but apparently this is some aspect of my, uh, of a husband of mine from a previous life or, mm. you know, some part of me kind of thing, like a multidimensional right. sort of thing. Right. Right. Um, so he, um, he, I'll call him is one of my guides. And then I have other guides too. Most of them are, female or something they're fairy folk angelic type being yeah um, some of them are it, pleiadian now it, some energetic them, forms that i think we yeah. put names on and categories to but they kind of transcend that they're different yeah like the the good question here really quick is uh you know what do we think the orbs are this is a question from juan hound of uh, Valinor. Do you have any idea what the orbs are? Oh, well, yeah. They're uh, not always them. white. You know, let me explain. Okay, so this is the th crazy conversation in the UFO UAP field that never happens, right? Okay, so everybody calls them craft, right? And yeah. then everybody starts talking about, well, what's their propulsion system? And then they start talking <laughs> about, why do they defy our our gravity, right? And who's in them? And how, and, and nobody ever 
pauses to think, okay, I, I've, I was a futurist in the tech industry for a long time, so I'm imaginative, right? Okay, right. let's imagine the tech we might have someday. And what, and then think about the paranormal and spirits and ghosts and what do all these things have in common? Huh, they don't appear to be real. They appear to maybe be projections of light. Oh, could we actually be dealing with, you know, interdimensional holographic insertion technology, right? Because- right. I just posted something about this on my Twitter feed, actually. Um, there's a whole article in Nature magazine about plasma holograms and how plasma holograms work. And Scientific American just put out a thing recently about, um, you know, stable wormhole technology. Right. right and right. so we just have to, like, bend our imagination a little bit. So the orbs um, are just uh, balls of light essentially that are inserted interdimensionally. They're very popular. And I've seen a lot of photos of them when you zoom up on them and they're sort of like a spiral, like a thick spiral though. Right. If you, if you look at it, they're not all white. Some of them are colored. I've seen ones that are um, orange and blue and those are typical colors. They're orange or blue or white or something. And sometimes there's a whole bunch of them and people say they're drones. Um, and the other kind of thing we've started to see a lot more of are things that are very amorphous and transmorphic. So they mm. actually are moving. So things that even look like a bird or a kite that are sort of metallic or silver. I don't know if you've seen any of these images, Carl. Yeah. Um, but, um, but then they morph into something else, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the reason why, you know, the Tic Tac makes no sense, you know, the five observables is because that was a 3D model of a tic -tac, big Tic Tac <laughs> that they, you know, was holographically inserted and it's supposed to behave strangely and it's not supposed to harm our pilots. Um, you know, there has been stuff in the past that's happened, you know, that, you know, wasn't good. Right. Um, but stuff like that is supposed to signal us, just like yeah. the crop formations are supposed to signal us and a lot of these other phenomena. The thing I'm upset about right now is that a lot of people are really scared. And yeah. I feel like what the world needs is a balanced perspective on all of this. Um, and sure, we need to talk about the threat narrative. It's totally understandable. I spent time in the military. I understand why the threat narrative matters and why we need to discuss it. Um, but I feel like the conversations seldom go beyond, well, nobody knows what they are. <laughs> right. And I'm always thinking some people know what they are. And we've been trying to tell y'all what they are for a long right. time. <laughs> I think it's interesting people dismiss the idea that some of these orbs of light and different craft that they see could just be a, a plasma form. And they also dismiss that that could be uh, that, that could house or be a form of consciousness, even beyond just like a holographic projection. I think that that definitely is the case a lot of the times is a holographic projection or a, a viewing point in order to travel and look around that we see manifest into our physical reality but even within our brain whether we like it or not the energetic signals bouncing around inside your brain that we call human consciousness is plasma form <laughs> so if you were to strip away your entire body and still exist as a, an energetic form it would appear to other people if you were seen as a plasma form and probably be oh, yeah. an orb of light 
Those so are what in, are it, well are, are energy bodies, right? Energy body, correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is something people just dismiss. They want the the metallic craft. They want it crashed on the ground, and they want uh, bodies on the ground, and they want. They to be think able to in very twentieth century terms, and yeah, and um, some of so, that may be actual, and some of that may be going on at a certain level. Uh, some of the physical, actual craft and yeah, space some of craft. that has happened for sure, Roswell. But speaking yeah. of the orbs of light and these plasma forms and entities and and beings, some of that, you know, beyond just sending drones to another world or through another dimension, sending conscious plasma forms and holographic uh, devices through or, or it depends on whether they need multiple people to see something or whether it's just one person seeing something. If mm. it's one person seeing something, they can sort of warp reality, right? Just using your projector. Right. Um, but when it, multiple people need to see the same thing, that's when it's, you know, we actually have to, you know, do this. That's actual visible light that's being inserted and manipulated. Um, and obviously they've had this tech for a long time. I mean, there are UFO sightings of orbs and crazy stuff going back, you know, centuries and millennia. Um, right. And, you know, when you think about our reality as a designed and architected and engineered reality, mm. um, you know, these are things that are built in to the system. <laughs> right. We just don't know how to use everything. Right. Yeah. Our hardware, our physical hardware, in order even to perceive reality, makes reality sort of an illusory figment in a sort of way. We we want it to be exactly physical the way that we want. But then, like you said, when you slip into dreams uh, and you're in a dreamscape, a dream reality, you have to question, what is the dream made out of? What is everything in the dream made out of? It's really a form of energy and a form of consciousness and perspective. Mm -hmm. So that's that's really interesting. So you saw an orb of light with your roommate out the window. I'm jumping yeah. back here to your stories about yeah. uh, if people are going to come and watch this video wondering, how do I make contact? Is it, uh, through, well, is it, is it through meditation? Is yeah. it through a religious ritual? Is it through like yeah. occult methods or no, what no, do no, we no. do here? So Let yeah, yeah. Well, okay, let's see. All, don't join any cults, right? <laughs> right I'm not a right, fan right. of cults. I've never been a fan of cults. Um, Cults aren't good. And I would also say be really careful about, you know, spending money on supposed mm. gurus and psychics and, you know, right. things of that nature. Now, what you can do, though, is, you know, go check out your local psychic fair. Uh, you can go check out, uh, take classes, um, yoga, meditation, Qigong, Tai Chi, um, some of those, you know, peaceful martial arts. Mm. Um, you can take meditation classes. Uh, you can do CE5 if you want to try it. Uh, now, here's the reason why this stuff works. It's mm. because the way they find people to make contact with is via other people they've made contact with. So you can sit in your room all day long and even take psychedelics and do whatever and meditate and meditate and meditate. And you might never achieve contact because they haven't found you yet. Hmm. But if you go hang out with people, you know, hippie people, weirdo people, uh, open-minded people, um, even spiritual people go hang out with your grandma, right? Yeah. If your grandma is cool and woke, you know, maybe grandma's, got some contact work going on with her too. Yeah. So wait, that's how you do it. But you know, also the spiritual practices are very useful. And you know, when we were talking earlier, Carl, you were talking about 
the different sorts of ways you meditate and you deal with issues in a way that's comfortable for you. Well, it reminded me of CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, which I've had some exposure to. And there are things like that that are very helpful. You know, there are ways of dealing with uh, your mind and becoming aware of your mind and making decisions about what you want to think about and what you don't want to think about Mm. and who you want to be in the world and who you don't and setting your intention every moment and being loving and compassionate and altruistic and non-judgmental and respectful and all of those good things. Um, That's the best thing I can really suggest. And then, you know, just try to keep your vibration high. Um, You know, don't watch too many horror films. Um, You know, I feel like we're in a very dark place as a culture and there's a lot of horror and violence out there. And the more of that we sort of engage with, the harder it is for us to raise our vibrations. And, you know, when we raise our vibrations, our energy bodies look different to spiritual beings and they see us making the effort and then they can come along and give you a boost. And for people who are, you know, having trouble with voices or whatever that seemed demonic, um, you know, that's also a way to deal with stuff like that. And sometimes having, you know, positive ET help Mm. with stuff like that is, you know, the best way to deal with that as well. I I definitely agree. I had a realization kind of during a, what you would call a nightmarish encounter in, in a sense, where it occurred to me that what was making this experience so terrifying was uh, was really in the end was a lot of my own judgment and prejudice on what I was seeing. And, And the thought that came through to me at that time was that even if I saw my own subconscious self outside of myself and it approached me and had a problem and wanted to sort things out, it would appear to me like a total demon, probably. Like if I'm going through hard times or if I had problems and I was really struggling with things and those problems appeared to me to try and get help, they would look and appear to me or manifest in a way that would come across like a nightmare, even though it was just my own subconscious coming to say, hey, what's going on here? (laughs) So you can't really always judge something right off the bat as being demonic or evil or something simply by appearances and because your reaction is afraid of it. Sometimes those uh, those encounters have a lot to say or a lot to teach in, in different ways uh, when you can drop the prejudice. So I just wanted to add that as well. I also use a program that I started with called the, uh, the Gateway Program out of the Monroe Institute. I kind of stumbled on that because I was interested in ufology, interested in extraterrestrials and and following like the Lou Elizondo and To the Stars Academy. Then you find Hal Putoff and he worked with Ingo Swan and all these guys that were into remote viewing. And they worked and founded uh, foundationally off of Bob Monroe's uh, the gateway program. And so that's why I stumbled onto the gateway program and came up with like creating a waiting room and having the energy box for my problems and kind of building up my, my sense of self in a preparatory way before any kind of contact occurs. Um, so that's, I, I really like that you're talking about all this. It's right up my alley, like yeah, using biohacking or, but in this yeah. case, it's, you know, mind hacking and, um, mm. it's all really helpful. And, you know, I encourage people to do workshops and go, go to programs, you know, they've got the way of the peaceful warrior. I mean, there are so many different things, you know, manifest this, manifest that. Now you're not yeah. going to man- magically manifest things, but right. 
the power of positive thinking is is a thing. And sometimes those things can be really transformational. And especially if people are feeling depressed, sometimes you need disruption in your life. And maybe mm. you go stay with somebody, right? Maybe you go see a new city. Uh, maybe you, you know, uh, you know, people are getting vaccinated now. And, you know, the pandemic is, you know, Seattle's reopening already because we have 70% vaccination. So mm. now it, people can go do things again, right? Um, so yeah, I, I feel like this, and I saw a case for infinity in the chat was talking about, hmm. you know, whether we're fooling ourselves or is it a really difficult time collectively? It's very difficult, but we're not going to survive the next hundred years if we don't change right now. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, um, the, but the things that we need to do with respect to climate, um, but, and, you know, all sorts of other problems and issues, fossil fuels, um, you know, slavery on our planet, um, you know, crises with ecosystems. I mean, so many things, solar flares. Um, we need ET tech, you know, yeah. now for this. I, it and, feels, I, I've described this as feeling like this other, other dimension that's trying to kind of come through and push this what we call disclosure it's almost the feeling is almost like it's pregnant like it's about oh, to yeah. oh, it, yeah. this is about to give birth into That's our reality in a true. way and a lot of us are doulas right yeah. you're a doula i'm a doula oh, okay. <laughs> yeah right. we're trying to help her get that baby out <laughs> yes she's yeah. she's 13 months pregnant <laughs> right. and it's like uh maybe the the water's broke and the pushing is beginning and this is about to unfold so you so you would say that like if if somebody came here and watched this video and they said i would like to I'm having some sort of anomalous dreams or paranormal type encounters. I'm having what seems like telepathic images or, or, or visions projected or missing time experiences that I'd like to sort out. I, I need to sort this out. Um, so you'd say, first of all, surround yourself with people who seem to already have contact in a, in a positive way. And then also personally within your own soul, use uh, meditation and and whatever is is suited for you in a positive way in order inspirational to inspirational content music mm. um i mean if you're into electronic music if you're into 60s folk music i mean um i'm from california so you know my whole thing is just live like a hippie liberal and <laughs> you know go join the rainbow tribe if you want okay um, <laughs> because you know, it's about what we prioritize and what we value. And, right. you know, I don't live a very fancy life. I never expected I would, you know, but I'm also on a Buddhist path and I'm doing my Dharma and, you know, that's okay. That's, that's, it's fine. I'm comfortable. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, people who are, feel like they're in the rat race and they can't stand it and there's too much pressure, you know, people's lives have gotten extremely complex. Mm. And if you think about all the people we have to deal with in life and if we're working, you know, real jobs and, um, you know, dealing with people in public and dealing with people in traffic and dealing with people on the Internet, you know, sometimes we need to isolate ourselves a little bit and make sure that the people were um spending time with are people who, you know, aren't a distraction or, you know, um, some other problem for us, you know, that they leave us feeling negative or they leave us feeling um, exploited or they leave us feeling uncared for um, and gravitate towards the people who 
you know, have a light shining in them. Right. Um, right. So that's the best advice I can offer. And, you know, let go of people with love if you need to let go of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I have, you know, some people in my life who hurt me and some of them I continue to occasionally exchange a few civil words with because I don't hate them. Um, but do I need them in my life? No. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I think that's probably the best way. And, you know, gobble up, you know, books and content. You know, the one thing I was doing the whole time was reading. Like if you ever saw me when I was younger, you know, in the library or in bookstores, I hightailed it to the metaphysics department of the bookstore. And mm. I wanted to read all the self-help. Um, and I was into sci-fi and fantasy and like romance novels. Um, you know, so I had these, these proclivities, but you know, it's good to keep reading. And what I usually say, and you know, there are a lot of, you know, difficulties going on in our movements, right. Including what I'll broadly call the conspiracy movements. Um, and the best advice I can offer when trying to figure out who to believe is, you know, focus on the messages, right? Don't focus mm. so much on the people. And then don't focus just on one person's message, right? Because that might be a cult of personality. Right. Uh, but try to triangulate, right, across a whole bunch of different people and a bunch of different things and find the commonalities. I mean, there is disinformation out there and there are people who are disinfo agents and all of this. But um, it doesn't mean everything they're saying is false, Right. And in, in right. some cases, a lot of the things they're saying are, are true. So some people have actually just co-opted, right, the, the canon or the lore that, hmm. say, you and I are familiar with, Carl, going back yeah. to like Zechariah Sitchin and, you know, hmm. ancient aliens and yeah. um, all of the spiritual traditions. And um, I heard you on your show the other day, you guys were talking about elves and fairies and like every imaginable thing, right? The, the, the Fey folk and the, yeah, the, fey yeah, the, the Darrows of the Shaver mystery and yeah, all, right. dimensions, all, all that, that stuff. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, that's stuff that keeps repeating over time and there are historical roots for it. You know, the crop formations go back to the mm -hmm. mowing devils, right. Yeah. Of, um, you know, Renaissance times or when, whenever those were, um, and, you know, there were plenty of people, you know, if I, you were talking a lot about the Celtic traditions, which I also like. Um, my family's mm. part Irish and I lived in Ireland for a while. Um, and my guides are very Celtic <laughs> in a lot of right. ways. Um, what I like about those traditions is, you know, you have all these people who believe in leprechauns and brownies and fairies and, um, you know, the knockers and the mines we were talking about earlier. Um and there's a very, very rich tradition, you know, and they have standing stones in Ireland. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it is a pattern that looks a lot like other civilizations, though, who are given different types of lore, right? And mm -hmm. a lot of these lore are culturally specific, um, but they're still common patterns, right? right? And a lot of spiritual work is done with women. So, um, and that goes way, way back, you know, before we had Judeo-Christian theology, right, uh, five, 6,000 years ago, whenever all that right. happened, um, 
we had a lot of goddess traditions. And still, when you go to right. museums all over the world, like if you go to anthropology museums or places like that, they have zillions and zillions and zillions of these little goddess fertility statues, right? Right. Um, and if you've read any books like When God Was a Woman or The Chalice and the Blade, th those books really dive into the like prehistory, right? Before right. our recorded history. Um women had a lot more power. There was a lot more equality. There were a lot more women who were priestesses and judges and right. leaders. Um, and um, some of the other mythologies, even Greek mythology. And, you know, there are some things in the Bible, you know, that um, are about that. Right. And, right. you know, this, this patriarchal backlash basically um, yeah. that tried to wipe out, the goddess traditions and replace them with men. I, I agree. You have the, the you have the female goddesses and the 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 fey folk and the encounters and all that. And then what you have is organizations or men or people trying to encapsulate all of that into a monotheistic symbol where they conglomerate all of those and put it into a male figure of a, a monotheistic type of entity or God or being yeah. that they try to put inside the control of their priesthood and yeah. own and limit access to. Who are which abusive to people. Which, which, right. So you have a desperate uh, desire to try and keep and maintain contact with the phenomenon, but they want it to be in exactly their way inside a box that they control. And that's just mm -hmm. not how it works. Yeah. yeah. Someone just asked if I went to New Grange and I did. I lived quite close to New Grange, actually, in County Louth, I think it was. Um, hmm. Yeah, I was I was only there for a summer, um, but it was it was pretty cool. And um, it was back in the early 2000s. And um, yeah, I just I have had a kind of lifelong attraction to Ireland. A lot of people do. And, um, you know, my family, we're some of the first Americans, um, even the yeah. white parts of my family came over in the early 1700s and yeah. they came from England and Scotland. <clears throat> All and of my ancestry and everything is, uh, I'm, I'm 132nd Native American. So there's also that shaman tr tradition. And mm -hmm. when I do meditations, I have Native American shaman banging on drums around campfires and things appear to oh, me what all tribe? the time. Uh, the uh, Creek Indians and uh, oh, yeah. and uh, Blackfoot Indian, both oh, uh, mostly uh, Norwegian and Viking heritage, which oh, is so uh, you're like rich me. with the pantheon of gods like Odin yeah. and, and yeah. Uh, all of that yeah. and the ravens and but yeah, yeah. very interesting stuff. You yeah, mentioned we're also Jewish, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, there were there are a lot. Strangely enough, there are a lot of people who are. Uh, Cherokee slash Jewish, and I'm a 32nd yeah. Cherokee, but I'm also part um, Cher Cherokee, Choctaw, Chickasaw, Seminole, and Osage. <laughs> wow, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, well, all the, the traditions of the Kabbalah and the Jewish uh, history before, before it left Egypt under Moses is very fascinating and similar to all this, very meditative and etheric in reality with a uh, with all of that. Um, if you had, uh, going back really quick, a, a side thought popped in my mind. You mentioned everybody, you know, getting into books and reading some books to open their mind to this. If you had to recommend uh, your favorite book, if someone was going to go pick something out and start getting involved in this, maybe a, a couple of books that you would Okay, recommend. I can't pick which just one. Yeah, just a few. Um, I'm thinking about the ones that blew my mind. So um, Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now, I think is yes. really good. Yes. Um, I like John O'Donohue's books. He had one called Anamkara, which is um, about the Celtic spiritual tradition. Mm. Um, I like Thich Nhat Hanh. 
Um, I loved the Tao of physics. Mm -hmm. I think that one is seminal. That's where you really start to go. Hmm. There are a lot of people who understand the science of spirituality. They just use different language. Yes. Buddhist traditions, right? Correct. Because some of those traditions are very ancient and some of them are very pagan. You know, there's still, I mean, you see them all over. Uh, I've spent quite a bit of time in Asia. You see them all over you know, East Asia and Southeast Asia, you know, with their little shrines and, um, you know, feeding the gods and, you know, caring about the land and caring about other people and being just lovely, wonderful humans. So that's, you know, part of what I'm saying when I say the people who are, you know, committed to a spiritual path in life, you know, those are good people. Yeah. Right. And not, not if they're telling you you can't be gay or not if they're telling <laughs> you, you know, shame on you, you you have sex um, outside of marriage or, you know, if they're saying shame on you for anything, you should ignore them. Yeah, um, using, <laughs> using shame to suppress your own uh, energetic sense of self is a common trait in a negative organization. Yeah, the holographic universe is very good. I also read Hyperspace by Michio Kaku and that one was mm. very good. Have you um, read the the uh, the case against reality by Donald Hoffman? No, he's that a, one I haven't read. He's a modern scientist on cognitive functioning and he he literally lays out the case that the reality as we perceive it is not the case <laughs> at all. Even statistically like what you're seeing and experiencing is uh is not all of reality and that there's a vast amount before, but what we experienced, what we're experiencing is just a user interface. That's uh, an advantage to simplify things. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, we're very complicated creatures, right? Have you read read, uh, the red book? I haven't read that one. I'm in the middle of that one right now. Highly recommend yeah. it, but yeah. be careful. It will open your the mind. The thing to- I love <laughs> about you, Carl, is that um, you've got just a vast perspective on this. Thank and you. it's very high level. And what we need are people who can see the forest for the trees. Right. Um, but we've and got the a lot space of people- between it all. <laughs> and the space between it all. And we've got a lot of people focused on trees and, you know, examining mm. the bark and enjoying the sap. And, exactly. uh, you know, what we, what we need is that, you know, above the canopy mm-hmm. um, perspective where we can see the sky, for instance, right? Yeah, yeah, understanding that the forest is living because of the sun shining through mm-hmm. space. And, and how that's amazing it all is. Connected to yeah. everything and, and you as the perceiver even seeing the trees and your experience of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Definitely. it's amazing. You know what we really take for granted and then I should probably run if you don't mind. Sure. Um, but what I re- what we really take for granted is just you know the miracle, um, but also the the work of creation, hmm. um, and all the stuff that exists around us all the time. You know that's what we really take for granted. I think, and you know because a lot of people are out there saying, "Oh, we're just an accident forged in primordial soup." You know, <laughs> we've just evolved. We're just animals. Yeah. You know, all animals want to do is conquer each other and eat each other. And that's all we could ever expect from any beings ever. Cause that's what we're like. And we're the most advanced life there's ever been. And all this like rhetoric we hear <laughs> the right. mythology about how we're all alone. Well, that's what we really need to reconsider because even if you just look at our ecosystems, you know, evolution can explain a lot of things and it's good, but you know, how does evolution explain, you know, insects 
that exhibit camouflage characteristics that look exactly like the environment that they're in, right? Yeah. And, you know, how does complex life with bodies that are, you know, engineering marvels just spontaneously emerge by accident because there are zillion, 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 zillion parallel universes. And this is the one where things just happen to work out. And we have yeah. this universal constant that's like, you know, a one in a zillion chance of happening, you know, the same with, you know, the mechanics of our gravity and all of this kind of thing. It's all very right. specific. Yeah. People get so terrified about the end and things uh, being destroyed and everything like that, or some apocalypse. It blows your mind just to go outside and witness butterflies. And you think, how could something so fragile have made it through the, <laughs> the eons of human history? And who came and, up with butterflies? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So Lisa, we're uh, going to wrap this up here. I really appreciate you coming on the show and the insight. I want to open people's minds to this outside of just sending satellites into outer space, how uh, communication and contact might already be going on in people's lives and they don't realize it. So really quick, just to wrap this up, if you had to say, okay, I have uh, basically two minutes here to try and tell somebody how to, how to kind of improve their life and set themselves up and begin to notice to receive contact or communication in, in the best way possible. If you had just a moment to tell somebody new to this, uh, what would you advise them to do? Well, Case for Infinity just asked a good question. How does evolution explain absolute artistic creativity, right? Well, creativity is channeling. Right. And people are often inspired. You read stories of inventors and innovators and they get inspiration in their dreams. Right. Um, yes. And that's the way they help civilizations advance and evolve. So as far as, you know, what do you do today? Right. To change the paradigm for yourself or to expand your consciousness. Um, I think you need to start gravitating towards what you love. I think you need to figure out what do you love in life? And, you, you know, as a spiritual matter, as a matter of spiritual work, you need to decide to work to preserve it. Right. Yes. Um, you also need to look at yourself and say, what do I love? But what do I want to change? And you need to write those things down and you need to work on it every day. Right. And if what you want to change is I don't want to be so angry anymore. Right. Well, you work on it. And, you know, there are anger management courses and all of these kinds of things. Um, if what you want to do is just know. Right. Um, just dive into, you know, some of these books we're talking about, you know, Carl, maybe you should set up a Goodreads and give people a list of books to read because, mm. you know, that's, that's one of the best ways. And when you start reading books that were, came out decades ago that, you know, are just now making sense, that's, that's the stuff we needed to pay attention to. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there about the Pleiadians. Um, if you want to get into the nuts and bolts of who, the actual, you know, races are, there are Syrians, um, there are all sorts of groups out there. Um, some of it will seem very hairy fairy to people, um, but that's just the nature of this whole topic. So I hope Correct. that's helpful. <laughs> I'm I definitely on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Lisa Ga, L-I-S-A-G-A, and I post up all the time and my DMs are open if you have questions or you know, want a book to read or a documentary to watch, you can always just ask and I will help you along. 
Absolutely. Lisa, I appreciate you coming on the show so much. I want to have you back definitely so that we can talk about this further as the UFO UAP phenomenon comes out and it starts to tie into the paranormal. It starts to tie into this type of uh, dream phenomenon and and, uh, telepathic communication that people are already experiencing it and don't realize it. I think people like you and hopefully I have a voice to say here and will uh, be looked to a lot for answers uh, where a lot of people are looking to science. I think that definitely has a place, uh, but the scientists are going to be turning around and looking for the mystics and the wizards and people <laughs> like you to answer these questions that they can't wrap their head around. Uh, well, you I- know, the scientific method relies on us being able to control the experiments. And you, because phenomena have to be observable, repeatable, predictable, etc. cetera. Um, and so science isn't going to be happy until until that you know day comes right Right. um so yeah i think you know it's okay to live a little bit in the realm of what's possibly imagination but you know look for the patterns you'll see the patterns everyone will see the patterns everything's connected (laughs) everything is connected what a beautiful note to end this on (laughs) everything is connected if that's not a big clue to you if you're out there wondering uh it's everywhere it's connected to everything that you're doing even in the subconscious thoughts that you're having and the dreams that you have at night, when you learn how to notice and where to look and how to look uh, within yourself, uh, you might realize you're already making contact. And document your life, journal weird things that happen. Yeah, yeah, and you'll start to see the patterns. Definitely. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Lisa, for joining. So good to see you. See you guys on Carl Vibe in the next one. Okay, bye-bye.